Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello there and welcome back or welcome to up my hockey with Jason Padolan. I am Jason Padolan, and you're here for episode number 35. And I'm excited to be here for episode 35 because we have a man by the name of Dennis Marouk. Dennis Marouk was drafted in 1975. He was a 21st overall selection from the London Knights where he tore it up as a junior. Uh, but he slid down the draft because of his size. He was a five foot eight, 150 pounder uh, who was tearing it wide open. But uh, there were scouts that didn't think he could get it done at the NHL level, as is usually the case for undersized players. However, he showed up at his first camp uh, for the California Seals. And he ended up making the team. And not only did he make the team, but he ended up finishing second in scoring to uh, my old coach, Al McAdam, was uh, was first that year on the California Seals. And Dennis finished second. And he also finished third in the Calder Trophy uh, Award for the NHL's best rookie. He finished with 30 goals that season, which was two less than Brian Trotche, who ended up winning, winning the Calder that year. But uh, Dennis is maybe most known for being forgotten ironically because he had a 60 goal season he's one of only 20 players in the history of the nhl to score 60 goals in a season and he's probably the name that you would never remember or aren't aware of and we talk about that about why that happened and and uh, what that means to him and it's a really interesting scenario because there are a lot of things happened it was a 1981-82 season he played on a team, and historically, he played on teams that weren't good until he played uh, for Minnesota. But when he was with California and he was with the Cleveland Barons and the Minnesota North Stars and the Capitals, they they were struggling to put fans in the building. And and his big season when he scored uh, the 60 goals and had 136 points, he uh, he happened to do that in the same year where Wayne Gretzky, uh, I think we all know who that is, scored 92 that year. And Mike Bossy scored 64. So what historically would have been an amazing season was kind of, you know, under underappreciated because somebody scored 92 and everyone was talking about Gretzky. And I think that was one of the reasons why uh, why Dennis wasn't really recognized or remembered uh, for being such a prolific goal scorer. He had 50 the year before with Washington, too. And, um, yeah, we get into his his entire story about what it was like to be uh, a five foot eight, 150 pounder in the NHL. Uh, what it was like to, you know, to score 60. What it was, what it was like then to get traded to Minnesota and be relegated to a third, fourth line role for reasons unknown to him. Uh, but then all of a sudden he gets an opportunity there. It goes into the playoffs and he gets 13 points in in five games. They get knocked out in five games by St. Louis, but he has an unbelievable playoff run there. So he's able to get it done. Uh, at all at all levels of the game, he was a he was a gritty player, and uh, and he was just a, a player that was respected. He he talks about his book, and we talk about his book a lot. and uh, And the title of it is is the uh, the forgotten the unforgettable story of the forgotten sixty goal man. 
and uh, that was that was uh, co-written with Ken Reed. And it's uh, by all accounts, it's a great book. It's one you should go out and grab and support Dennis. Uh, he really shares everything in that book about his life. We get into some of the stuff here. He went into some serious depression after he got out of the game, trying to struggle to find his way. And he chronicles all that in, in the book. And Mr. Ken Reed was kind enough to hook us uh, to hook us up. So uh, Dennis and I were able to chat here today. And uh, I really hope you enjoy his story and, and celebrate his story and, and talk about it because it is one of those stories that uh, I don't think enough of us hockey fans know. I mean, I played in the NHL. I consider myself to be a hockey fan. And I would never have guessed the name Dennis Marug scored 60 goals in the NHL. So um, without further ado, I bring you Mr. Dennis Marouk. Here we are for up my hockey number 35. And for number 35, we brought on our first 60 goal man in the show. Uh, really happy to have you, Mr. Marouk. Dennis Marouk, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to call me Mr. Mark, but you can just call me Dennis. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, it was, I guess we'll start off with kind of what you're maybe most famous for. Uh, and and <laughs> from from my scenario, it was interesting too, because we, we already talked a little bit off camera about Ken Reed. So Ken Reed made an Instagram post is, is how we got connected to me. You probably don't even know the backstory to that, but he said, you guys were golfing and he said one of us scored 60 in the nhl and one of us you know goes 320 off the tee and anyways like he had this description of the four guys in the foursome and i was looking and i'm like who in the heck scored 60 goals there right and i was like <laughs> so i had to ask in the feed and then anyways ken got back to me and then so i looked you up and uh you know when you had that phenomenal season you know i was six right i think so um so it wasn't like i really i mean i was a, definitely a fan but i, I wasn't really there to, to witness okay. that but in saying that it's kind of crazy to me because i am a hockey guy right and quite right. honestly i didn't know that you had done that and is that like does that kind of piss you off a little bit you know like <laughs> that, you know it's yeah. kind of like you are a little bit unrecognizable you saw the title of the book right Right. Unforgettable story of hockey's forgotten 60 goal man. Um, that's kind of where we, we got started with booking all that about that stuff. And yeah, it's, it's kind of, I've done a bunch of tournaments and golf tournaments and stuff like that. And one tournament uh, that uh, a fellow puts up a big, a big board, the top 10 scores of that, that season. And there's Gretzky number one, Stastny, Bossy, and then there's my name. And then under my name, there's Marcel Dion, Yari Curry, Mark Messe, Dino Cicerelli, um, you know, so, some big names. And people are going, your name? Why? How come you're up, you're up there? You know, it's kind of like I, I, this kid from Rexdale, this small kid from Rexdale, Ontario, uh, in the top 10 and almost uh, in, right in the middle of the pack with some great hockey players. So was it frustrating? I think a lot had to do with... Uh, you know, playing with teams that I, in my first four or five years of my career were not real successful. And so it got a little frustrating at that point. And then when I got to Washington, I did some things, nice things there. And still on over the years, you know, and there's only been 20 guys to ever do that in the NHL uh, since day one. And uh, I'm, I'm in that group. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's real special to me. Do I get the recognition? You're right. There's probably myself and Bernie Nichols are two guys that don't get the recognition of all that. Right. And 
on a personal level? Like, you I mean, it seems like, I mean, obviously you got thick skin. You had to have to, to even have the success you had with the, you know, with your size. And I'm sure you had a lot of adversity growing up, but like, where does, where does that sit with you? Is does it, I mean, are you over it kind of, or, or do you, you know, do, uh, do you, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, as you get older, things, you just keep going one day at a time. And, you know, I, I get a lot of things that people, well, when they see my picture on Facebook or something, then I should be in the Hall of Fame and all that. So I, I think about that. And, you know, who knows? One day, you never know. Um, right. and, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, the, the greatest thing that for me was I had a dream as a boy, and, and as most Canadians do, and that and uh, playing hockey growing up and uh, was able to play and, and make it to the NHL. But the size, as you mentioned, was a, was a big issue because – uh, when I did get drafted by the California Golden Seals, um, you know, they had told me I was going to play in the minors and for a couple of years and I uh, had to get a little bit stronger and uh, all that kind of stuff. And and uh, my agent at that time was Boom Boom Jeffrey. And we didn't have a contract. And I had to go and keep showing and proving that my size was not a, a negative thing for me, that I can play with the big boys of my size and, Ended up having a great game against Marcel Dion and GM and the and the, the, uh, the president of the team and the GM tapped me on the shoulder and says, uh, "Call Boom Boom when we get back to Oakland. We're gonna sign a, new, a contract." So I had to, you know, all that's always been that issue and uh, with my size. But uh, playing 14 years in the National Hockey League and in uh, almost a thousand games, I think that's not too bad. So uh, I don't think <laughs> size has anything to do with it. it's how you how you you look at it and what you do as you play as a player when you go on the ice yeah well let's unpack that maybe a little bit i mean you, <laughs> i i want to hear that story actually i mean since you've already talked about it i did i have heard you tell that story i mean you, you had a pretty good game you said against uh, yeah. marcel dion so i mean right. a pretty good game maybe, maybe expand on that a little bit and you were 18 year old kid right or 19 year old 19, uh, 19, 19 exhibition yeah. game correct if, uh, right. if uh, i'm exactly. right exactly. and uh and you're playing against one of the greatest goal scorers in the game and and tell us about that game how that unfold well, I think we won. I had score six one or two or something. I had a couple goals, and it was just—I was just so excited. You know, I—I had a point—a point to prove. I mean, basically, when when they told me that, and we didn't sign a contract in the office uh, in Oakland, um, I, I got kind of frustrated, a little disappointed, and and I was kind of maybe you could say mad, and and uh, I wanted to prove to them, and I think so. I may might have pushed myself a little bit more in that game. And uh, it worked out. It worked out pretty good. I mean, yes, playing against uh, a great player like Marcel Dion, a great good friend, a great guy, um, you know. And I just I showed them, and it was just, you know, I was relieved after when when they did sign me to the contract, and they said they were not sending it to the minors, and that uh, you know took a lot of lot of pressure off, and I was just ready to to work on my game. Was Marcel Dion? Because I mean, he wasn't a he wasn't a large guy either. Kind of one of probably the best underside players of of all time. Was he was he somebody that you looked up to as a as a player growing up? Because he was a little bit older than you, correct? Yes, yes, definitely was a player. Uh, my idol was Bobby Hall, but uh, one of the players from size wise would be would definitely be Marcel um, Marcel Dion. He he forward on the, on the book, and if you have a chance to read it, the, the forward part of it is kind of neat. At the end, he goes the you know, he was talking about my hockey and uh, what we're like as smaller players, and we're like, we're like uh, two pit bulls, and they, they don't they don't stop; they just keep going. 
So, uh, you know, if you bite them, they just keep going. And, and that's kind of, kind of what you, you, I think back at it. Yeah. I, I got knocked down. I got crushed. Like I got slashed. I got speared. I got everything, uh, hit in the head. I got everything you can think of, but it didn't stop me. No. Right. So is that something? Open. Yeah. Is that something natural? Do you think, is that innate for you and for a guy like Marcel or, uh, you know, or, or can that be developed? Because I think it's important for the young guys out there because, you know, they need to have someone to look up to and they need to, to hear, you know, how, how to make the most of it and how size maybe doesn't matter. And maybe a, a, a modern day story of that is Nathan Gerby, who at five foot four is playing in the NHL, which absolutely blows my mind. But, right. you know, was that, was that something for you that um, you, you grew that maybe, I know you come from a big family and obviously you probably got a scrap for your, for your meal there a little bit too. <laughs> like, I don't know, where does that come from? Do you think? Well, I think it's that Ukrainian blood. I don't know, but uh, uh, the thick skin, as I always say, Ukrainian. But no, I've just I've always been, you know, growing up as a child playing sports, uh, kind of aggressive. Even though I was not, you know, the tallest guy, and and I got to about thirteen, everybody started growing, and I stopped. It was getting taller, and I I didn't didn't grow too much, and and I just I had the talent in the game and and sports. I I just wanted to be the best I could be at that sport, whether it's playing golf or tennis or, you know, doing uh, baseball. And as I played lacrosse, I was a goalie in lacrosse, Rexto Warriors um, growing up. Some people say, if you're a goalie, get out of here. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, I had that aggression. Can you teach it? Um, I think in a lot of cases you can. Um, sometimes players don't last in the NHL because of the fact they don't have that aggression. Uh, and they, they need to just keep challenging that and pushing themselves to be better. And, and I think I worked on a lot of areas in my game that, that uh, I needed to work on. And, and some of the coaches and, and people would say, well, boy, you really improved in that or you really changed that uh, the way you played and make, make you a more all-round player, like killing penalties and blocking shots and things like that. And, and then there's a guy scoring 50, 60 goals and he's blocking shots. So that's kind of what I, my, 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 my thing to the young people is always do something different than they expect you to do. They expect you to be a goal scorer if you're scoring, scoring goals and that. But there's always the other parts of the game that, that you need to be be available and if you're not available then then you're not going to get that chance and that's what i i tried to do and i mean i had shorthanded goals why am i killing penalties you know because i was fast and i i blocked shots i did things and and that's what it was right yeah i mean i talk about uh you know good adaptability is one thing coachability is another thing right like to be to be well-rounded so you're not a, a one-trick pony out there definitely helps right. i mean to play 14 years like you did you have to do a lot of things well at you know and be well-rounded because you can't score 60 goals every year it just doesn't happen so towards the end of your career you got to be doing different things you know and some people kind of grow into that and evolve and some people just won't and uh you know like you said your your career definitely shows that you are willing to do different things that's for sure uh Getting back to the size thing with Nathan, like a, a guy like Nathan Gerby had said, uh, I read some stuff on him because I was like really, really enamored, like with the whole idea of five foot four, like you know, it's one, you know, like it's four inches short. Yeah, Bobby Lalonde, he was short too. Right. Yeah, and 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 he would say, like he he wrote in this article, he said he, uh, when he was growing up in minor hockey, 
because everyone told him, obviously, probably just like you, that he was too small and he was never going to make it. And and he just made it a point that he was going to run the biggest guy on the ice every every game, like the first thing he could do. And he said half the time he fell over and got knocked over. Sometimes it went well for him. But just to prove to himself and everyone on that ice that, you know, it, it didn't matter to him. You know, how big he was didn't matter. That it was almost like every day was like this, this you know, driven guy to prove that no my size doesn't matter like did you did you have that type of a mindset going into the game that yeah not only does it matter does it not matter but i'm going to show everybody that uh you know i can i can play that i can play this style of game yeah it happened a little bit when i was younger but really when when i when i was in london junior with the with the knights i was traded for mark Howe and uh and ended up coming to london and and i didn't really want to leave toronto i didn't and i live in london now but uh um, I didn't want. I was a Toronto kid. Want to play for the Toronto Marlies and want to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs and and all that kind of story. But uh, when I got in London and and a fellow by the name of Dave Hutchison, I don't know if you remember Big Dave. I uh, played with the Kings and the Blackhawks. Okay, it's in the book too. And and uh, and I asked him we were in a golf tournament in uh, in London. I said, Dave, uh, you know, he played in the NHL. You know, he played junior, play in the NHL. You know what? what what's it like? What do you got to do? And he said, he looked at me and he goes, I know you can score goals. I know you can make plays. I know you can do, do other things, but because of your size, you got to be a prick out there. And I go, what do you mean? He says, well, it doesn't matter who, who you're, you're playing against. If he's the best player in the game, why you go hit him, run him, get involved, get yourself involved. And you'll be amazed by doing all that, how much room you'll get. And that's exactly what I did. If it was Wayne Gretzky or and like, like I'll tell you a little Wayne Gretzky, we're facing off and he, uh, in, uh, in many there. And he goes, uh, Dennis, what are you hitting for? What are you doing all those things? You don't, you got good, not a lot of talent. You don't have to hit, hit people and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Just go make some plays, score some goals. You don't have to do that. And I looked at him and I said, well, are you going to start fighting now? So I, I, I'm not going to change my game because it became being aggressive and all that was became part of my game. Cockiness out there, and yeah, I hit the biggest guy. Yeah, I fell down, but you know, we had brawls. We had all those, you know, you know, those things that went on, and I didn't back down. You know, I didn't. I think I may have had 13 fights, but I got beat up a little bit and uh, <laughs> fights and that. But I mean, that was that's part of the game. And and if you didn't do that, you weren't going to last. Especially right. as a smaller player, you have to have, as we were saying, the aggression. You have to show that you 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 can take it and you can give it as well. And I think that really did give me some space out there, and I got I earned a lot of respect from that. Uh, you know, and I can tell you a story about Bobby Clark. You know, the same thing. You know, face off against him, and people say he's probably one of the chippiest players in the game. You know, face off against him, and you knew that his stick was going to come right up at you. And uh, so, you, what you would do is try and beat him doing it. And then, uh, and it, and then he'd stop doing it. And then after, after we we're all done playing, and we did an event together in Toronto, and we we're waiting to go on TV, and he looked at me and he goes, "You're a little prick out there." <laughs> and I looked at him. And I said. I says, you weren't too bad of a prick yourself. You know? <laughs> and then he goes, we had, we had your, the lineups on the board, you know, they have the lineup on the visiting teams on the board. And he said, all we did was circle number 21, get them. 
because I I scored against Flyers a lot. I mean, I had great games against them, and and when we beat when I played them, I'd beat them, and and so that, that was a lot of respect when you hear that from a man like that. So I'm very well. Proud that's of awesome. Yeah, for sure. You know, things like that that he respected me for 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 giving it back and, and respecting the game. Yeah. What um. Because I looked there, you I mean your rookie year was seventy five, seventy six. Uh, I know, and I that was right when the Broad Street, I mean the Broad Street Bro bullies were in full effect, right? And and for some of the you know the, the younger listeners, we kind of heard of that, and that sort of categorizes that era almost, right? That they brought in this different sort of level of toughness to the game. Like how how was that era? Like coming in at that time when you know men were men, there was like you said, there was the brawls, there was a lot of toughness uh in the game. Uh was that you know what what do you remember of that team or or even that era in general? Yeah, well during during my first year I came in at a buck one fifty eight. Really? Five eight. So five eight and I got bounced around pretty good and, and I I knew I had to put on some weight and put on that, so I did. I came back to camp the next year at 185. So, uh, and then I pretty much played my full career. You know, during that time was uh, you come to camp to get in shape. And some of these guys are 35, 40 pounds overweight. You know, three weeks of camp, uh, skating and all that, they, they'd get back in shape because there was no games, right? And we had very few exhibition games. But that's what I ended up doing and ended up playing about 175. And, during that time, you know, we had the bully, the uh, Philly uh, was tough, but uh, the Islanders were tough. But the team that I had and I felt was the toughest they had during there was was the Boston Bruins. Mm -hmm. They had the toughest wingers of any team that I played against, and they were tough. And they had that little ice uh, matchbox to play in, in the garden, you know, and you know, very little center ice there, and and and. and you just had to get out of the way of those guys, but uh, <laughs> uh, they had some tough guys, and we had some good games. But you know, you still had to you had to be part of it. You had to you had to participate. You had to play your game, and you couldn't sit back or or things just weren't going to happen. So you had to hit them. Here I am trying to hit Terry O'Reilly, yeah, uh, or or I go hit Schultz, and then I laugh at him. I laugh <laughs> at him, and he get mad. He get mad because why are you laughing at me? Because he's not going to fight me. He's going to look bad fighting the little guy. Right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Look at Stan Jonathan, that with the with the the Bruins. I mean, look look at the, what type of fighter he was. What's was he? Buck what five seven five eight? You know, but just a scrappy guy. So that's just what it was. That's yeah. just what it was. It was a lot of a lot of toughness uh, going on. As I people ask me about today's game and uh, what it was during our time. I think it was more my time was more survival, and uh, and then because uh, I was hurt every game. There's no doubt. Very few games that I wasn't hurt after the game from being crushed, expired, slashed, or whatever. And because I was I was a target, I was productive, and I was to be stopped. And that's that's what I had to deal with. So I had to give it back. I had right. to give it back. And I I know there was we had a brawl in, in Philadelphia, and I think there was a picture in the paper. And here's me tr uh, throwing a punch up to Bob Daly, the rest of so he passed away, uh, and I'm still about a foot and a half away <laughs> to even reach his chin. You know, it was kind of neat. He's looking down at this uh, the, this little guy, and I'm looking up trying to trying to hit him, and nowhere near him. But that's just the way it was. Yeah. Do you think I, I've mentioned it before a couple of times on this show? And one of the things 
that I was proud of. I mean, during the era that I played in, which was like the late nineties, two thousands, there was a, it was a big man era. Then, you know, guys were right. tough and there was still, you know, there was still fighting a lot of physicality. You had to pay the price to score your goals, whether it was in the NHL or in the minors. Uh, and now I kind of see that it, that side of it's even gone away more, you know, like it seems like you don't have to be, I'll use quotes as tough to be a, to be a player anymore. And, uh, you know, it sounds like that was something that you really identified with. And, and for me too, you mean to score the 40 I did in the minors, like I know that I had to go in some dirty places and I took those whacks and I took those hacks and, and, uh, and some people weren't willing to do that. Right. So like that was kind of part of the deal of being a player. And, And now I kind of don't see that, that nece- as necessary as it used to be. Do you think that's a sad thing or or do you think that's just the way the game's going and, and so be it? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm, as I say, old school, but I, 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 I like to see them come back to the center ice. Uh, I don't like them standing around that long pass, tip it in, go. I think they've made it entertaining for the fans to keep the game going. I think if they came back with the center ice, it, it would change change a lot. Um, the aggressive part of the game is is there when you watch Vancouver and Cal- and the Canucks and Calgary play the battle, or uh, Edmonton and Calgary. I mean, battle mm-hmm. of Alberta, uh, Alberta. You know what I mean? There, there's the most hits I've seen in any game. If you watch games now, I mean, you, you, there may be five or six hits. You know, wow. and 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 they're they're talking about hit when they run run into each other. They're not really hitting guys like we used to. The guys yeah. running guys, you know, hitting from behind, all that. And there's none of that. Um, it's more finesse, uh, money, finesse, uh, hmm. pretty plays and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, is it great? I think it's good for the fan. There's no doubt about it. As I, uh, I was asked that question the other day about what do you think of the players today and the players of your time? And I, my, my comment was that even though there's great hockey players in the game today, a lot of them wouldn't be able to play in our time wouldn't be able to play because they'd have to change their game. Just like I was just talking about right. that, that finesse is there, but not as much as is you had to fight a little bit harder to get your, your goals or assist or stuff like that. Uh, than it is today. I find it's easier to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Is it sad for me to say that I'm turning 65 and I still probably play 50, 60 games, charity events, that if I worked out, I could go play. Because <laughs> you don't get hit. You don't have to put me on a park. I still got the hands. I still score goals when I go and play. All that kind of stuff. So it's like, for, why should I say that? Why would I? Because I look at the game and it's totally different. Right. Like, meaning it's it's more wide open. The, the rules have changed. There's... You know, how many times did we really get a five on three? What is there, four or five a game in today's game? So <laughs> we didn't have many of those. Referees were afraid to call another penalty. Right. Uh, I think trying to make five on three, <laughs> they get booed and, uh, you know, chased after the game or something. Yeah. But that's just the way it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. That's my, my impression, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I mean, even now watching this, like the playoffs, I always like watching the playoffs now because that is when the physicality gets turned up and guys are starting to play. Yeah. They let it go a little bit more and guys are a little more ramped up and you do see more body uh, checks, but even I've been watching it a little closer this year and even this year in the playoffs and this year is a weird, weird playoffs. Obviously it's strange, no fans in there and stuff, but, uh, uh, but it's still not quite the level that it's even used to. Right. You know, it's, it's, it seems like it's kind of just an intense regular season game almost to me, but uh, anyways, I mean, so, so it goes. I, I do think that some of these guys, 
like the the Wilsons and the and these some of these bigger, stronger, heavier players uh, are becoming more valuable again, though, because once the once the playoffs do turn around, a lot of these guys go away and they disappear because the uh, you know because the physicality gets turned up, and that's when these bigger bodies, uh, kind of a little bit more old school guys, yeah, really start to that. be yeah. yeah, they start yeah. to be valuable, you know. And I I, I I like to see that personally. Let's go back to your first camp. You went to twenty uh, first overall. Uh, which was interesting because I looked at your draft and uh, you actually had two of my uh, coaches, former coaches in that draft. Brian Maxwell I had in Spokane who went fourth overall that year and Bruce Boudreau I played for in uh, in Lowell. So you had, uh, yeah, there was a couple couple of my ex-coaches in that draft there. What was that first camp like going for you? You, you end up making the team. Like you said, you had that great game and exhibition. Like, was there... Uh, I don't know. It's just such a cool memory. I, I know me going to, to my first camp and, uh, you know, hanging out with these NHL guys and being on the ice with them and around them. What's, uh, like, what was your mindset like walking in there? Well, going to California, I mean, there's a, there's a first thing. And, uh, I, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I just wanted to make sure I was ready for camp. Uh, I didn't know, um, the team was not real successful. If I had been drafted by, Montreal or Boston, so I may not have had the opportunity to break the lineup. Uh, we're in in Oakland when, with California. Um, we had we we're pretty much we had some older guys, but a lot of younger players. And Ralph Glassman was the first pick in uh, of California in the first round, and I was the first pick in the second round. And we became two of the the top centermen at, at 19 years old in that team. So uh, to make the team was the, was the exciting, exciting thing. Not being, as I was told uh, by the GM and the president that I was going to the minors my first couple of years. To make the team, it kind of proved to myself and to the, people, the hockey world and the people there that I could play with the big boys. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, I, I pulled up that team, and and you played with another coach of mine, which was Al McAdam. So I played for Al McAdam in uh, in St. John's. Yeah, so you played with him for like three or four years, maybe even great. more. What was it? What was it like playing with Al? Great, great man. Uh, I tell you, he's a big part of my career because uh, playing with Al and another fellow by the name of Bobby Murdoch, uh, we were called the three, the famous three M line. Um, all last names started with with yeah. Am, and Al was just a uh, you know what he's like, just a gentle bim, but a tough tough guy. And don't piss him off. You're, 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 if you're on some fight, you're not going to win. He's going to win. Uh, <laughs> tough as nails, I'll tell you. There's no doubt about it. And I had the pleasure of playing, getting to know him, and um, uh, my first my first three three years there, and and it was just a pleasure. Great man. Um, really helped me out. Uh, tremendously um because uh i mean i didn't have to play with anybody else basically he was my left winger and and bob the coach kept us together and uh and i saw that in your in your rookie year you almost led that team in points i mean i'll i'll beat you by one it, it said there and then the next year you you took the lead like that's a really successful rookie campaign uh i mean you, you stepped in and you made a big splash and scored 30 your first year and kind of didn't look right. back um did you so you and you already mentioned so you and Al were you guys were line mates so that was it kind of made sense that you guys were one two like that yeah I think so and and uh I was kind of a playmaker scorer I was the tough guy getting the corners but we were I was in there with them we'd fish the puck out and trying to work two on ones and things like that and then we had you know Bobby Murdoch from Cranbrook uh, Donnie's brother Bobby you know, I think when he was in Salt Lake and then they pulled up and they put us all together 
uh, we just had a good mob. He had a good shot and a good, uh, good, uh, skater and that. So we we had, we worked, worked well together, the three of us. So it just, the, it was, it was smart, to Jack Tex Evans, our coach to, uh, put us, keep us all together. Right. So you said you put on, so it was after your rookie season when you put on all that weight, is that, is that when you, when you put on the 20 pounds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. how did you, was that uh, like typical how guys would do it now? Did you hit the gym and, and push an iron or, or how did you, how'd you end up putting on that weight? I don't, I don't think I went to the gym till 1980 or 81. I just put on eating food late at night. A um, little bit of running and stuff like that, but not nothing bulk wise muscle. I do sit-ups, push-ups. That's basically what I would was doing. And then we didn't, we didn't start doing weights till when the Americans won the, um, uh, the gold medal there. Uh, her Brooks is the coach, and that that the conditioning and being in shape and all that that kind of changed everything there. And then we started working on weights, and and that that's what it was. Oh, so I did mainly I did mainly sit ups and push ups. I think that's gotcha. the key. Your your inner strength is uh, if I you know go on put on thirty pounds of muscle, I'm not going to be flexible on the ice and not going to be able to take good shots and have that flexibility. So I more or less worked on the inner strength, which was of course your legs, but your 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 inner strength with the sit ups and push ups. Right, gotcha. So you didn't hit the gym till eighty eighty one, which is like the year where you had your first like huge, huge monster year with, with goals. I mean, you, you'd right. gone, you, you, you'd switched over to, to Washington and then you followed the 50 up with the 60. Like, it just seems like that was just like a, such a sweet pocket of time for you. Like what was happening in that, in those two seasons there where everything looks like everything was just going right as far as on the ice. Well, I don't know if you know, well, Oakland didn't lost out a bit on putting a new rink in there. So they moved to Cleveland, Cleveland Barons two years there and, and uh, in a month, one month, we didn't even get paid. Uh, the team was going to fold in Cleveland and and all that kind of stuff. So it ended up uh, merging with uh, the North Stars and that's how I ended up, there were so many players, Lou Nanny traded me to Washington. That's how I ended up going to Washington and, and uh, uh, the 50 goal season, I played with two guys pretty much a lot. Um, Bob the Hunt Kelly that was traded from Philadelphia to Washington and Jean Pronovo that came from Pittsburgh. And so these are the two older guys, experienced guys. Uh, and I was the crafty centerman. So for me to get 50 goals and, and, and that season uh, was, was one thing that I'll remember because of course our team wasn't the greatest, but uh, um I had two line mates that really made things work for me during that time. And, and then it just carried on to the next year where I ended up playing with Ryan Walter and Chris Valentine. And I have to thank Mr. Brian Murray that uh, our coach at that time, uh, he gave me a lot of ice time. We were on the power play together. Uh, he kept our line together so that we could uh, work on some things and practice and, and turn it in and try to try it in the game. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Right. But, um, you know, Ryan had a great year that year through. And I think Chris, where Ryan was in thirties and so was Chris and I at 60, it wasn't too bad for a line that, uh, the team didn't have a lot of success. Right. Yeah, I know. So that 50, the 50 goal season, do you remember the 50th goal? Like, was it in the last game? Was it the second last? Game? Yeah, I, I remember that, but I don't, uh, no, my, my biggest, well, of course, making the NHL, but as you probably agree to about the, your first goal in the NHL was the one I always remember. It was in Toronto. 
Maple Leaf Gardens and uh, um, in front of my family, mom and dad and friends and, and all that kind of stuff were there. So it's pretty special time. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey there, just a quick break from a conversation with Dennis to remind you that I know you're probably listening on an iPhone right now and you're probably listening to it on iTunes. And if you're listening to it on an iPhone and on iTunes, you can stop right now, go to the episode title or the podcast title up my hockey and it'll say ratings and review. It's one little tab. It takes two seconds, press five stars and you can be on your way listening again. Uh, or if you want to take the extra 27 seconds, you can write a comment and give it a review. And that would be amazing. So, uh, yeah, do what you can. Support uh, what we're doing here. Uh, please, it doesn't take much. It's, uh, it's a small ask, I think, uh, to take the time to uh, press the button. And it helps grow this thing even more. We are cra crazily going up the charts, which is awesome. But it's uh, people like you who will take the time to do the little things that uh, really makes a difference and helps it grow. So thanks again. And back to the podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's 60 goals. And we touched on it a little bit. And I, before we were speaking, I was just thinking like, why, like just why was it overshadowed or why potentially is it not that recognized? And then it kind of came to me that, well, I mean, it was also the same year Gretzky scored 92, you know? So like, who's that, who's that guy? Yeah, exactly. Right. Who's that guy? So, I mean, which is still, the, I mean, the, the, the most goals in a season. So, and I, I think bossy, if I'm not correct, scored 64 that year. So, you know, yeah, you had, a, you had this unbelievable year, right? Scoring right. 60, but it was third place and a guy scored 30 more goals than you 34 or whatever, 32 more goals than you. And I guess, I mean, everyone must've been talking about that, right? Like for the, for the most yeah. part, Gretzky yeah. blowing the league up. Yeah, exactly. Over 200 points and that, but look, I mean, I mean, great hockey player, you know, great man. I've, I've met him many times, and and um, but you look at the the lineup he had, and you look at the lineup I had or our team, the players, for him to get all his. I mean, look at Messi, Curry, come on, go to coffee, all those guys, and they, you know, they won they won so many Stanley Cups, and they're a great team. But he's he's a phenomenal player. There's no doubt about it. So, uh, you know, I think that's what it is. It's just. Uh, was I, was I disappointed of that? Uh, yeah, I think maybe a little bit because you're, you know, I don't think too many people are going to get 136 points in the season now, and to do that in, in Washington and and be the first 60 goal scorer there in Washington as a capital and myself and Ovechkin, you know, it's pretty special. So you know, I just got to live on, live with those things. Sure, sure. What a uh... What what was that year like? I mean, now not necessarily like your experience with scoring oh. sixty, but like being in the league with with right. Gretzky now coming in there doing what he was doing. Um, there was a lot of buzz about him for obvious reasons, and the ninety two goals. Like, what was like what was being said in dressing rooms about him and that and that team? Was it was was he obviously recognized as just being that special or what? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was great. There's he could do so many different things, but. You also have to have the personnel to do those things, you know, like, uh, you, you know, you pass it to someone else who's not really a goal scorer and it's not going to do that thing like Anderson or, or Curry and, and the message all the goal scorers too as well. So, but he just, he could just do so many different things. If you get on a power play, we don't want to, you don't want to take penalties against that team because they're power plays. So you look at the head, you know, it's like, oh boy, I think one time in Minnesota, we, we had a game against them. It was 12-8. 
the, the 20 goals in a game, 12 to eight. Like, come on, man. You know, but that's because they were so explosive and then, and they were so good. I mean, one time in the mid eighties, we had to play them uh, to go to the finals. Uh, Cause we'd win the Norris, the, the, the Chuck Norris division, as we called it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and then uh, we, we had a great team. We had, we had a team that could probably beat them, but they just had so much power. So much power. We had them four to one in the third game in Minnesota at the Met Center, and they beat us seven five. And we, <laughs> and we played great. We didn't like to sit back in that four. No, we, we played even better after that. But they just they just turned it on like any time. That's just the way. That's just the way they were. If you if you watch them, uh, game in game out, or follow their careers, they were just so. You know, they were a team of the eighties. There's no doubt about it. There's yeah. no doubt about it because of the, the talent they had on the team. Yeah, but they, I mean, uh, playing, doing those, doing those things and, and getting those points and and being in the top ten and scoring uh, with the team that we had and and being amongst those those players, uh, you know, I'll never forget forget that forget that because it was just a exciting that year. I probably could have had eighty goals and could have had a lot more points too, just the way it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just one of those years, eh? They just came exactly. came together. Everything was going. Yeah. The one thing I noticed too, Dennis, was that you know your one thirty six was forty nine more points than the next best guy on your team. I mean, so that's that's saying something too, as far as you being the the you know the straw that stirred the drink there. You know, to 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 do that well. You know, with I mean, then the other thing too, I, I checked on the flip side, and with Gretzky, the year he so he the year he scored ninety two. I mean, the same year you scored sixty, and he had two hundred and twelve points. Uh, Anderson, which surprised me, was second on on the uh, Oilers in scoring, and he had like a hundred and five or something. So Gretzky right. had a hundred more points than second yeah. place. Like <laughs> that's insane, too, right? Yeah, like crazy numbers, crazy numbers, and and I love their team. I, I uh, that's the year that their team I think scored four hundred and five goals or four hundred and ten <laughs> goals. Like yeah. right, so like yeah. if they if they got shut out, which I'm sure they never did, they'd have to score ten goals the next game to 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 equal that uh, that output, right? That's yeah. crazy what, goal output. What, wow. What name? Their goalie, Grant Fuhr, and he moved. But Fuhr, you, I mean, he, I don't think he had enough. Did get, didn't get enough credit for the, the, uh, how great he played. I mean, because the other teams had so many scoring chances. Right. They were an explosive team, and, and they didn't. Uh, did they worry about defense? Yeah, they did. They had defensemen and all that, but you would always get there'd be two and ones or you know great scoring chances, and and Grant played great in that form. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, back back to your story because I was I, the one thing that intrigued me about your stat line was checking after the sixty goals. Like you went to thirty one, which by all means is an unbelievable year still in the NHL, but it is half what you what the output was the year before, and then you went down to seventeen. What 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 happened there after that sixty goal season? Was there something like was there an injury or was it just that's the way it goes sometimes that not every season is a sixty goal year? I got tra- I got traded to Minnesota. And uh, like Lou Nanny didn't keep me when it when Cleveland and Minnesota merged. He traded me right, and I had some great years in Washington. I ended up getting traded back, back there. And and I think I know maybe the reason why I got was were let go and 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 uh, in Washington, Bobby Carpenter just arrived. Bobby Carpenter had a fifty goal season, and and uh, and it was either they were going to play Bobby a lot more or play me a lot or whatever. So I think they had to make a decision. They ended up letting me go so they could have that opportunity. And when I got to Minnesota, Lou Nanny just said, well, we loaned you out to Washington for five years and we got you back. But I didn't play much. I was on uh, 
uh, you know, they had Neil Broughton, they had uh, other other centermen that Lou Nanny uh, that they liked, and and Lou Nanny was the one that kind of how do you say it ran the team, even though he wasn't the coach, mm-hmm. or the coaches who played, and so I didn't get played played as much. I was on a third and fourth line and and stuff like that there. So I ended up probably, if you look, probably 60, 70 points a season for third, fourth line player. That's not bad. I know. Now, if, I got the ice, if I was, if I would have got the ice time that I, that I was getting in Washington, I would have been up over a hundred points easy. Gotcha. I know that. I know that for a fact. And I mean, cause it, it just happened. I was always ready just in case something happened. Sentiment. I was always ready because I knew they had to play me at some point they were paying me so they had to play me you're gonna sit me on a bench and pay me you're kind of crazy you know right, right. So i asked the, i asked to be traded the minute to toronto i wanted to play my last few years in maple leafs and lunas i'm not trading to toronto because you're in the same division so i never got never that never happened but you know i had i had some good years in minnesota we had a good team and stuff like that so yeah i think at one point in time that uh uh they were gonna. I was. They were gonna trade me, and uh, it's a good. Good story. How I would deal with adversity. Uh, I was the odd man out. I was the extra man, and when we went on the road, I didn't practice with the team. I practiced by myself, and went for about eight games. That I was. Uh, they didn't want me to get hurt or anything like that because he was trying to trade me. And then Neil Broughton got hurt, put me in the lineup. I had two goals and two assists. Never got out of the lineup. Is near the end of the season, and then in the playoffs, they put myself, Kent Nielsen, and uh, Brian Bellis together. And against St. Louis, we lost five game series, but I I had fifteen points. Nice. So you know you you have to you have to deal with adversity, and that's part of it. And uh, uh, you know you you become a better person when you can, you can challenge yourself to 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 do that. Yeah, hundred percent. How did you deal with that? So you know, you're sitting there. You're not really a part of the team. You've you've had this amazing. You know, you've had amazing seasons. You know what you can do, and now you're on the outside looking in. What was the what was the message you were you were giving yourself? Well, you have mixed emotions because you don't know is this the end of your career. You know, it, it, you wonder if uh, it's time to move on, or or do you want to continue on playing? And so, I just said I wanted to continue on playing. I didn't. I didn't complain about it or anything like that. I just went on my own business and and worked hard on, on what I just in case there was a trade and I was ready. Um, and I th- I think that's what you, that's what I had to do and and that's and that's what makes you a better person and a better man to be able to to deal with the, something like that and 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 knowing that it's not right. There, there's always you know you get knocked down you can get up and. You know, but there's always another door open or something. You have to think about things like that, that, that there is something better out there. So that's kind of what I what pushed me was I always felt that there was a, another team out there or, or something was going to happen to get better, and, and it did. I mean, they didn't trade me, and, and uh, someone got hurt, and I got him back in the lineup, and that was it. Yeah, and and what a phenomenal playoff there. Wow, 13 points in, in five games. Too bad you couldn't keep her going there. Was that a five-game series? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Well done on that. Uh, the uh, the biggest run there you had was was that the year that uh, when you got the sixteen games there in the playoffs? Where what uh, what round did you guys get to that year with Minnesota? 
Oh, we got right to the uh, right to the before to go to the last round. Yeah, we had that was the Oilers. Yeah, mm. we had to beat, we had to beat them to go to the finals. Yeah, gotcha. That was for the conference shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. So you ran into you ran into that crew uh, <laughs> on their on their way to a cup. Hey, eh? how how did that how did that series go? Yeah, as I was saying, we, we had a great four four game series. We lost four four straight, but uh, uh, one game was overtime. Um, uh, as I said, the other game, the seven, five game and, uh, the other games were real close four to two. So, right. uh, we were, we were, we were the team. We had like Cicerelli, Broughton, Hartsburg, you name, you name the great, we had some great, great players in there. Uh, Steve Payne. Um, oh yeah, we, we were and Joe Malash and that Donnie Boper. So we had, we had good goal team. We had, we had bad Maxwell on defense. Um, Brian well, Bellows too. I just Brian Bellows, yeah, yeah. Heck of a and, player. And yeah, we had we had some. Scotty Buke said uh, was there with Dino and Neil. We had we had a great team, and we just didn't have enough firepower that they had. And it was well common sense. You could just look at their lineup or look at our lineup. Yeah. We, we had a real strong team. Basil yeah. McCray. We had, we had a tough team as well. Uh, you know, Dan Manders, Basil McCray, you know, we guys could fight and do all that kind of stuff just with uh, what Edmonton had, but they just had more firepower. When uh, going back to that time when you were when you were out of the lineup and you were kind of just keeping your nose to the grindstone, that was back in an era, I assume, uh, that kind of coaches weren't really there wasn't such a thing as a one on one meeting. You said you didn't say anything. Like, was there was anything communicated to you there? Did did a coach tell you, hey, you got to do this to get back in the lineup? Or I mean, how how was that experience as far as dealing it from a player coach perspective? No, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't really talked about, or I didn't go in and talk. Uh, all I was told with the with blue nanny that uh that they were gonna try and trade me yeah. uh, and uh i said okay so that was frustrating but i didn't i didn't go into the office or talk to lou and unless he called me in and wanted to talk that here this team situate the team wants you and all that i didn't even get any my, my lawyer was alan eagleson and so he just heard a few teams but nothing was really finalized and stuff like that so yeah that's just yeah. you just deal you just deal with it and, and move it, it's it's frustrating uh, as an athlete uh, to uh, to go through something like that to you 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 question yourself your self worth and 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 then you look back at what you've done in your career and look at that uh, and you say you know if you can still play stay healthy and still play boom you know that's it mm-hmm. that's that's what I what I would put my set my mind to I mean this is basically what I wanted to still play yeah uh, and you got to be ready for your opportunities right I mean that's the yeah. thing that you said you, you stayed ready right and then that guy yeah, got hurt and exactly. you took advantage of the opportunity the timing of that and being ready and prepared for that as a player is a pretty critical thing at the professional level yeah. and at that time age-wise too I, I didn't want to be traded I didn't want to go to another city my, my kids were in school in Minneapolis and uh, I liked I liked the city I like what, what it had to offer for a family and all that kind of stuff so um yeah uh, wife had a, a job and real good job so you really to to upgrade and move but but i still wanted to play and ended up i was ready i showed them and they didn't train me yeah awesome and uh, i i saw from one of the pages in the book there too that you you uh, had a had a tough injury there at the end with your with your knee and uh sounds like that was kind of the beginning of the end of the career is that is that how 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 it went down i guess you could you could say that yeah our, our coach that was her brooks and the late her brooks and oh. uh and he it, it was kind of interesting because the team was not doing it well and he had 
was put me on a uh, uh, felony and I slid out and blocked the slap shot in my shin pad move. Um, Grant Lidier shot and uh, shattered my kneecap. So, uh, you know, and then it was kind of nice after I had the, the cast on, they put it all back together and, and, you know, her Brooks would say, look at you guys, there's a 60 goal score sliding out, blocking slap shots on penalty, penalty kill. Why can't some of you guys do that? You know, of course, you know, he was kind of making an example of that you can do other things and you can to make things better as a team. You know, and some guys say, well, well, he got hurt, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just one of those things that happened. My ship had moved. Um, uh, and, and yeah, it was, it took a long time. Uh, and when I got back, uh, the coach at the time was Pierre Paget and I played a little bit. Uh, they put, sent me down to the minors for, for conditioning, uh, to skate a lot and see how it was. And I thought it was fine. I came back and played five, six games, um, didn't play much. Uh, and I just said, yeah, that's it done. So I kind of the injury and kind of, uh, getting up there in age and give somebody else a chance, uh, someone else a chance to play in the NHL. Right. And then, I mean, I think, again, I didn't have an opportunity to read the book and I'm definitely going to, going to grab it, uh, afterwards, but it sounds like the transition out of the sport was maybe wasn't quite what you were expecting or maybe really ready for is, is, is that accurate? Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Uh, definitely there. I think their situation became, um, when we're playing as players, we were told that don't worry about after that you're done, there'll be a lot of doors open for you, you know, whatever you'd like to do. And, uh, and, uh, the doors for me were, I don't know, real small. And so I struggled with that. I had I went from job to job, frustrating and certain things. And, and it was, uh, became, um, you know, um, I was all over the place, uh, divorces uh um lived in certain places uh uh struggled uh, uh really in the rural world because i you know i think you're a failure when when even though you're you're successful in your hockey career but you think you're a failure because you know your hockey career was not, not going to go the rest of your life you still had to be mm -hmm. do something i didn't prepare myself for, for because of that being mentioned that there was going to be opportunities and I didn't really get a lot of opportunities. So I had to do a lot on my own and mm -hmm. it became really, really frustrating. And, and it led to some very personal things that, uh, um, I might not have been sitting right here talking to you. So, uh, I, I did try and we'll read it in the book. I did try to end my life and, uh, uh, was living in Aspen and driving to, uh, Vegas to end my life. So, uh, and, uh, Lucky things happen, you know. Someone, someone was taking care of me because I was, I had too much of those. Uh, they'll call in me and and uh, decided to make a a, a judgment move, and uh, I passed out in Utah, and I was five feet from the cliff. Um, hmm. I pulled out, and the sun sunlight woke me up in the car, and I got out, walked five feet, and I was ready. And, and if I didn't go five feet to the right, I would have been, would not be sitting right here because that was the Grand Canyon. And I turned around. I just kind of went, "What am I doing?" I turned around, went back to Aspen, and right. my daughter, my daughter who lives in Miami, is uh, is my my best supporter. She is the one that probably saved me.
from being uh, going through all those uh, hardships and all that. But everything's everything's fine now. I have no no issues uh, except COVID nineteen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and uh, things have been great. Family's great. Everybody's great. Um, I'm engaged. Uh, fiance here in London, and uh, we'll, whenever COVID goes, we'll get married. But uh, no, other than that, everything's, everything's everything's awesome. Yeah. Kids congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what was the what was like so i mean people talk I mean, mental health is a big topic right now especially with covid too and you know how people are dealing with it everyone has a different experience with what's going on and and even the nhl in general is is, is with the diversity committee and you know like pe- pe- you know we're trying to make people comfortable and hopefully people get the support when, when you were going through what you were going through what was like what was bottom like you said you turned the car around there like what what was if, if you don't mind sharing like what was what was the the downward side of that? Like, what were you what were you upset about? And then, what? How did you turn it around? Like, what was the what was the choice that you made, or what was the pivot point? The hardest hardest thing to tell people is, and and unless you've been there, is rock bottom. The the, the rock bottom, and the, that's it. You just nothing's going right in your life, uh, not only financially, personally, and all that kind of stuff. And you you just you just you just hit where do you turn to what do you do and when you don't have a lot of support and a lot of things um then it's it, it, you really try to take it upon yourself and which is the worst thing to do and and i think that's what happened i, I tried to take it upon myself and it, it got worse and and that's where that's where it hit me rock bottom and that's when that was it i was done um i'm calling my kids and tell them i love them and thanks for you know good luck in your life and all that and it was just a very traumatic thing. And, and, uh, uh, when I was driving, that's just what I, I mean, I was driving real slow, major road and everything. And, and it was just kind of like, I look back and, and I couldn't drive anymore. I couldn't drive anymore. And when I woke up, the sunlight woke me up and I got out of the car. When I, when I looked at that cliff, that changed my mind. And I and I said to myself, I got more things to do in my life. What am I doing? It was just like a, a, a click, you know, or like putting a gun to your mouth and you mm-hmm. smell the powder and go, Oh, I ain't gonna do that. I got more things to do in my life. And I and I realized all the way driving back from Utah to Aspen where I was living, uh, you know, I got kids, I got grandkids, I'll have grandkids, I'll have all this going on. And what are they gonna think I'm not being around? So, you know. And so my daughter, we really talked a lot about uh, personal things in life and, and the good and the bad and all that. I mean, she she talked to me almost every day, every other day. And she was concerned. And, and so she was my savior of, of being, making me realize the important word is love and respect and what you have and what you've done in your life and that your life is good you have obstacles you just have to challenge yourself to get by them yeah good for her and good for you it's yeah. uh so that's what it was that's basically what it was it wasn't any you know bird coming down on top of me that's what it was it was just I, I, for some reason i had to be that clear right yeah i the thing that strikes me about what you just spoke about there and you said you try and do it yourself you know and you're almost feeling like you're on an island and i think 
I think men, and I'll just say men, because I mean, I'm sure there's ladies out there that experience the same thing, right. but I think there's something about being a guy that like, we kind of feel that we're supposed to be handling things, you know, right. that we're maybe we're not supposed to feel some of these things. And uh, then he said, you know, part of the reason why you're able to get through it was, was the support factor. Is that maybe one of the lessons like of, of that thing and maybe a message to men or just people out there in general is to, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to talk about it or don't be afraid to, to ask for help. Yes, I think you're right. Definitely. It's very important to ask for help. I mean, because these professional psychologists and all that, they've been through these with other people and it's very, and they've, they've experienced it with other people. And so they have answers for you. They have their, the, 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 the timing, the right words and right things. So um, I, I definitely believe that, Yes, if you are struggling and you can't, you definitely don't take it upon yourself. You have to go seek help. And I think that's where we really didn't have a lot of that support because of, during our careers, my time now, during our careers, we didn't have a lot of support. We didn't, we didn't have that what they have today. Uh, it started to get better. It started to get better, um, but it still wasn't a lot. And I, if you can look through, there's a lot of guys that, and you go, uh, I'm 65, and guys that went through my time, some of them are passing away, and some of them really, if you talk to them, really struggled in their life because of because of uh, not only financial, because, uh, yeah, we love the game, but we didn't make a lot of money, but still to, to move on in the, another world, your, your new new career and struggle. But, you know, so it's, there's been a lot of guys that have the problems. You look at the... Look at what's his name. I feel real sad for him, and he, we've tried to help him. Um, um, what's his name? Uh, Murph. Murph. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Murphy. I'm real sad. Real yeah. sad. I mean, but there, there's there. He's got help. He's had help, but he doesn't want it, and and so he's taken upon himself. See, and yeah. and I think that's that's a mistake. A mistake. And 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 uh, I hope he. I hope one time he sees a light or something. Something sparks and. Uh, what sparked on me because yeah. it's bad to, to hear that and see that. And um, we all know we want to help them. And there's other players like that. Yeah. We talked, uh, I know Trevor kid pretty well. And we talked okay. about that because okay. Kidder was, was a part of that whole, yeah. you know, yeah. reaching out. And I know a lot of guys have tried to do a lot of things for him. And yeah, I mean, like you said, he's not the only one we've lost some good, good guys, right. you know, to, uh, and, and the league is do, starting to do something about it. And I, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the finances and I think, I think it's relevant, you know, to, to have that discussion a little bit because there still is a transition for guys leaving the game now and not everyone has a 14 year NHL career either, which is the other thing, right? Like there's, there's guys that, you know, d don't stay as long as they want and they, and they do have to prepare for something, but generally there's money in the bank account for, you know, I don't know how long, yeah, a few years, right. To kind of figure it out, you know, like, um, during your time, what was like, what was the most you made in a season? Uh, 300. 300. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a 60 goal guy, right? And no, we all know that. I didn't get, no, it wasn't. I was, that year I made 60. I think I was making 120. Yeah. Right. But I mean, as a yeah. 60 goal, yeah. like, so that yeah. year you're making less, you end up earning your way to th 300. And we know that goes away pretty. Make, what's the 60 goal score I'm making today? Right. Yeah. Ridiculous. Right. So, I mean, so when you got out of the game there in, in 88, 89, uh, 89, did, was it like you had to go find a job was like almost instantly or how, how did that, how did that whole thing start? I, I stayed and worked with the team, uh, in the, uh, the business side. Um, you know, 
advertisements, uh, group tickets, all that kind of stuff. I stayed in that for the one year um, and things didn't, it wasn't really right. Um, it was easy for me to get in the door to talk to people and all that. But uh, uh, the person in charge, I won't say his name, but uh, I didn't like his, uh, how he handled uh, the situation uh, with the office staff people and mm -hmm. uh, he's in charge and and uh, just yelling and screaming at all the employees and stuff like that and if you don't uh, sell this sell that uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna have to i'm gonna lose my house and all that and instead of yelling and screaming you should have been working with them and so right. that's kind of where i uh, i got out of it right then and and then got into another job and coached high school hockey i coached high school hockey in chaska minnesota and uh, worked for a company called Creative Concepts, uh, promotion uh, items and that for companies. And I had a lot of fun doing it. I did it for five years. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So it wasn't like so the struggles then that we spoke about a little bit wasn't necessarily like right after. It was. It was. It was a little bit. A little bit farther down the road. Uh, right. Right. After you left. Right. Gotcha. Right. Um, yeah, what would you have done different if there was a message to guys now? Uh, because you, you mentioned, you know, we, we talked about there is a little more support. Like the NHLPA ha has some programs uh, that, that help guys transition. There's definitely places for these guys to go. But would you have done anything different, like while you were playing, to prepare yourself for maybe life after hockey, if you could do it again? Uh, yeah, I, I think definitely I would have liked the help. And I think uh, trying to uh, – I mean, because going from city to city and stuff like that, uh, you know, with teams moving and franchise moving and, and being traded and all that, you're, you know, w w where are you going to end up in your life at the end after you're done? Are you going to be living in that team or living in Minneapolis where uh, where career? I'm going to go back to Toronto. Uh, I think that the message is, um, you know, save your money. Don't spend it foolishly. They make a lot of money today. And and prepare yourself. Get them get involved in something that you're you're excited to. Be patient with it. Um, that's what I would have done. I would have maybe become a, a, a mortgage broker, really, or banker, whatever it is. Uh, I didn't really do any of that. I think that's important to to get involved in something that that makes you that you would enjoy doing. Right. when you're done playing hockey um, and you do have the time to prepare yourself as a player today um, that I think you do. Uh, mm. And even at that time we could have, but you have, you have better uh, resources today than, than what we had. And I think uh, they should use it. I mean, they make a lot of money. They, yeah, they make millions of dollars and they can throw it away and, you know, and stuff like that, but uh, be smart to, you know, Put your money and keep it somewhere, invest it properly so that you can, uh, you know, give yourself time when you are done to look at and, and work at something. It may take a couple different situations, but, but give yourself the time to do it. Yeah, well, you want to be... You want to be engaged in life, right? I mean, it's one right. thing to have money in the bank, but I mean, I, I don't know. I think to be to be a, a contributing human matters to a lot of people, right? So, you I mean, just sitting right. on a beach playing golf, I, I, there's not a lot of guys that can do that forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can do well, it for a while, but you got to you got to change it up at some point and actually, you know, contribute. I think so. I think that is important at, for these guys now too. Yeah, and you look at guys that you know when my time retired, they stayed involved with hockey. Either right. became scout. Uh, 
you know, um, they really didn't have anything. So they, they figured, well, all I've done is play hockey and done hockey, so I'll stay involved hockey. They coach yeah. or junior team or they scout and all that. I didn't want to, I didn't really want to do that. I didn't want to scout. I didn't want to travel all over the world and be away from family and stuff like that, um, even though it would be, be neat to do. But, I, you know, if I was single, different story. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, coaching is. I tried that coaching in the minors. That didn't. Uh, that didn't last because of the. Um, uh, I didn't. It just. I didn't feel right doing it. Um, all mm-hmm. that. I'm a players coach guy. I mean, I would love to help teams, and I love coaching kids. I love working with kids and girls and boys. I, I've always done. I've run camps, uh, um, all that kind of stuff over the years, and and uh, I really enjoy it. Shooting camps. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it too. I love working with the kids now. It's uh, it's really rewarding, and you know, seeing that, seeing their eyes light up and that twinkle, and this is some right. something some dots connect right. every once in a while. It's it's right. great. It's great to see that. Uh, well, we'll wrap it up. We've been here an hour. I really appreciate okay. your time, and I'll, I'll uh, okay. uh, two Any questions time. to wrap up. Uh, okay. If if we uh, if you got the time here, what one is I like to ask sometimes is what you're most proud of, and and what and what you would change if you could uh, if you could change anything again, because sometimes the the, both those questions kind of surprised me because maybe it's not what I think. But uh, if they're, what are you most proud of during during your time as a as an NHL player in the 888 games? Uh, well, I would say the most proud of is uh, make my uh, parents proud. Um, I shed a little tear here. So for what they had to go through with eight kids and uh, and all that and, and and making it to the NHL, I'd be most proud of that. What would I do differently um, um, was to be uh, the things that happened to me personally off the ice, to be better prepared uh, mentally and physically, um, knowing the fact that you're, as an athlete, your career doesn't go for the rest of your life and and you needed to, you need to prepare yourself for the latter part of your life. And I think that's what I would have done differently. No, it's beautiful. No, I appreciate that. And parents, uh, I mean, how do you not get choked up about parents? You know, it's uh, now being a parent and being on the other side of that and really realizing what my parents did for me, right? Like to, to, to open the doors that they did. And there's a lot of sacrifice involved there. And then to see your kids do well, I'm sure, I'm sure they're super proud of you too. So Dennis, thank you for your time. Um, Remarkable career and uh, really glad that I was able to dive into it because yeah, some, re- some really special accomplishments and, and, and the, and the longevity and, and everything else is, is something that should be, should be recognized. And, uh, and I want people to be buying that book too and supporting yeah. you that way. That's uh, that's well, a great you. thing. And it's, and thank you for Enjoy sharing. The book. Enjoy yeah, the book. Perfect. Perfect. You will. All right, Dennis. Thanks so much Any, for being here today. Anytime. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for sticking with us on episode number 35 and listening to the end. Uh, it really uh, choked me up a little bit when Dennis was getting choked up there after all the stuff that he's been through, all the stories that he told. And then, you know, you, you ask him what he's most proud of and it's making his parents proud. And uh, that's that's touching. I know parents have a big impact and I know parents, there's a lot of parents listening to this podcast uh, weekly, trying to support their kids. And, you know, it's special. You know, we we want the best for our kids for sure and we want to open as many doors as possible for them and i'm going to continue to try and provide uh one of those resources for for the athletes out there that want to be better and and uh hearing stories like dennis's and and from my other guests i really do think that helps uh apply some perspective and apply some level of you know 
people are capable of doing hard things and there's no easy road anywhere. And for Dennis, you know, I mean, it was being five foot eight. It was playing on teams that, that weren't that strong. It was, you know, trying to be recognized um, for what he was accomplishing in, in, the, in the show. And then for also his, uh, his challenges after, after hockey. And, you know, we all have challenges. We spoke about mental health today. And, and I think one of the great lessons from today is that don't do it by yourself. You know, you don't get to the NHL by yourself. You don't stay in the NHL by yourself. You don't deal with adversity by yourself. Uh, it's an unhealthy way to do it. Find somebody, whether that's a professional or whether that's a loved one or whether that's a friend. Uh, you, we need to be able to speak about what's going on. And, uh, you know, I continue to be an advocate for, for mental health and, and, for, and for really providing a level of self-awareness uh, so athletes have the tools to be able to deal with whatever challenges and adversity they may face along the way. And uh, I think that's a really important thing for athletes and for humans, right? To recognize that, you know what, we need to apply some perspective to the challenges, to, to some of these things that happen to us. And we can find a way through and we can position it that it is a positive and it's an opportunity to learn and to grow. And, uh, and these are all tools in the toolkit. That's one thing that I talk about a lot in my parent group on Facebook. It's one thing I talk a lot about with my private clients. And uh, it's the ability to understand that these emotions exist and it's what we do with them next. Not that there's anything wrong with us for having these emotions and, and uh, we're allowed to have these emotions as hockey players, but we are able to get through them. We are able to move past them uh, with some support and with some tools and with some, with some tips. So for anyone out there, um, keep, keep rocking it. Uh, you can get through whatever it is. Young hockey players, maybe things are going smooth. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, but, you know, usually a bump in the road comes. And when a bump in the road comes, you can get through it, too, uh, with the proper support and with the proper tools. So uh, hope everyone's doing well out there. And until next time, play hard and keep your head up.